This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 17 and we have reached one of those stories and boy, it's a good one. It is a good one because it's got, well, so much symbolism in it and so much importance in it and so many things that people just don't understand sometimes. They just don't get as far as the walk in the Christian life and as far as the salvific process and how God deals with who we are and our past and the things that plague us as far as sin is concerned. And oftentimes, to tell you the truth, we just miss out on being taught some of this stuff. And if that's you, it'll be a good day. It'll be a good two days because we're going to really dig down deep in the story over the Amalekites attacking Israel in the desert. And this is the first battle they fight. It's really the only battle they fight in the, as far as in the wilderness when they're just now getting to know God. Now, there'll be some battles that come about as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. But this right here is the really the soul battle, the important battle that deals with that deals with them when they're just now figuring out who God is. And let me say, this is an important battle. It's an important issue that needs to be addressed. It's an important understanding that young Christians need to have. But you know what? It's more important for for older Christians, those who have matured to understand, because when you're helping, when you're discipling, when you're leading, when you're guiding, when you're encouraging young believers in their faith, when that's going on and when that's happening in your life, you need to know what's happening with the people that you're helping. And this is a guarantee. Fighting the Amalekites is a guarantee. You, it's going to happen. It's got. It, it's just got to happen. It's not. It's not an issue of whether it's going to. It's got to. It, you can't be saved. And when I mean say be saved, I'm not talking about going to heaven or hell. I'm talking about you can't have the fullness of the salvific process. And everyone who is born again is going to be saved. They're going to go through their own. A unique salvific process in the sense of salvation saves you from the sin that is in your heart. So it's going to be unique to you. It's going to be you dealing with you. It's all about how you grow and how you become and how you be who you are. And so each person, as they walk with God, has to walk through their own salvific process. That's why a bunch of rules so that everybody does it exactly the same way just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't make out a whole bunch of rules and make a process 
that works for everybody because everybody's not the same and everybody doesn't have the same sin and the same issues that others do. And let me tell you something. Most people do not have the same generational curses. And when I say generational curses, what am I, what I mean by that? A lot of times when you say something like that, people get all mystical on you and think he's just talking about mystical stuff or he's talking about stuff that, that doesn't exist. No, we know it exists. We know it does today. We know that if you're, if you're the son or a daughter of a alcoholic that you're multiple times more likely to be an alcoholic. That's a generational curse. What do you mean by that? Remember, a curse is just a bondage. It's just a binding. It's just a being tied up. That's what the word curse means in the Bible. And we understand that sin binds us up. It binds us. It holds us. It enslaves us to itself. So a curse is the the best way for me to describe it is it's the result of sin in our lives. It binds us up. And so a generational one would be one that would be passed down from my parents, passed down from my grandparents. And we all have those things because we have things that are passed down, both physically, just actually in our flesh, just our genetic makeup, uh, in the way we're raised, in who we are when we're growing up, the way our parents were, the things that they struggled with, we struggle with. I can remember distinctly when I was a young man, one of my good friends' father, when he came home in the evening, he would get, and this was in days where they had this giant VHS tapes, he would get him a fifth of liquor, and he would go into the back room, and he would watch pornography and drink liquor all night. And he was a friend of mine, and my friend hated him. He hated his father. He hated what was going on with his father. He said he'd never drink. He'd never watch. He'd never do that again. And uh, sure enough, when I became an adult and I saw him as a young man, what was he doing? He was an alcoholic. <laughs> he was an alcoholic. And the reason he was is because the Bible says the sins of the father passed to the second and third generation. That's how we know that we know for sure, biblically speaking, that there's a such thing as a generational curse. The way we know that is because right before the Ten Commandments, there's a verse of scripture that says the sins of the father are passed to the second and third generation. Now, the rest of that passage is, the rest of that verse is, but the grace of God is unto a thousand generations, which means that, sure, you get past things onto you, sinful things in your, both that are part of your genetic makeup, that are part of your social raising, your, how you're raised, your environment of being matured and grown. You've got those things that come along with it. But <clears throat> the Bible says that once God's grace steps in, it breaks those things and they're broken for a thousand generations, which is forever. Okay. It's the Bible's way of saying there are sins that are passed down for a couple of generations, but God can break those things with his grace. And when he does, they're over. But two or three compared to a thousand is nothing. And so he said, they're over. They're out. You're, it's, he handles them. And you need to see that and you need to understand that. And so <clears throat> when you're in your salvific process, when you're going through the early part of your process, what's the first thing that's going to rear up in a, in a young believer? The things they grew up with, the problems that they had when they grew up, the things they were handed down by their mom or dad or by their grandparents or some family member. And that those things can be really difficult to deal with. And those things sometimes can be very horrifying. I deal a lot because of my law practice with children who are the subject of sexual abuse. And those can be horrific things that are passed down to them and things that are struggles for them to deal with for the rest of their lives. That's a generational curse. It's a binding that was passed to you by your family in the generations past. 
All right. That's why we call it a generational curse. All right. And so as you're thinking about that and you're thinking about people that you've helped along the way, that they've been born again and you've discipled or whatever, and they're always struggling with something right there at the start and they can't quite get over it. That's the Amalekites. That's the generational curse. And you go, why the Amalekites? It says in verse eight, now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Who is Amalek? Amalek is the oldest son of Esau. Esau was Jacob's brother. Esau sold Jacob his inheritance. He sold him the inheritance that he was supposed to have. And that, in, in essence, he sold him God's promise. He was supposed to be, the, he's the firstborn son, and he was supposed to be the one of promise, but he sold it. He gave it away. And there's nothing we can do about that. That's what happened. He decided that he that his physical needs and what he wanted, what he disdained the the blessing of God, the the presence of God for his own physical needs. And when he did that, he gave it to his brother. Now, I'm sure that Esau didn't love that he'd done that, and he passed on hatred and bitterness over it to his sons, and that those sons passed them on for generations to come. And so they hated Israel. And I'm sure when they <coughs> when they went into Egypt and ultimately fell into slavery, they loved it. But when they got delivered from Egypt, they hated it. And so the first thing, the first attack that happens right after they get manna from heaven, right after they get the meat in the evening, the doves in the evening, right after they get, after they get water from the rock, right after God makes all the provision he needs for them to grow and mature and become, we get the washing of the Holy Spirit. We get the bread of life. We get real meat from God, learning, understanding, right when that happens, what happens? The Your past comes up because it's the main thing that you got to deal with. It's the first thing you got to deal with. You got to deal with, okay, my parents, okay, how do I do this? What What's going on? And you got to, when you do this, I always teach believers that you got to look at your parents with grace, but you got to look at your parents. You got to look at how you were raised and things that went on when you were growing up. You got to look back at them. Now, you don't you don't do it with condemnation for the things that happened bad. You learn how to you learn how to operate in God's grace. So, if we're going to deal in salvation, it's dealing in God's grace and operating in it. So you say, you know, what what were the things that your parents passed down to you that are plaguing you today? Now, that's not saying that they're evil. What they what it was saying is obviously they've got it from somewhere and you got it from somewhere. What are the things that are plaguing you? And, and let's deal with those things. Let's love our parents. Let's honor our parents, but let's not be, let's not be too much willing to just overlook those things because there's no way to overlook them. You've got to deal with them. And Amalek is going to rise up. That family curse is going to rise up and attack you. And that's just a guaranteed fact. It's just the way it's going to be. It's going to come up because it's in you. It's just a part of who you are. And we got, you've got to full of grace. You've got to have that change, God's anointing and God's change for your life. And it says, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men to go out. Now, this is a special fighting force. And by the way, disciples are the more mature. They're the ones who have decided, I'm going to go out and fight. I'm I'm going to be a part of making a difference in people's lives. And a lot of times we get into church settings and people are not willing to invest in others. And there's nothing I can do about that. But the, those who were called and those who were chosen, and they go out and do the big work of discipling. And the truth is, as a pastor, I have to invest in them the most because they make the most difference with the people that I pastor. 
and they're important. They're real important. Those who go out and build the kingdom of God are really important when you're a pastor. You have to really focus in on them. And <clears throat> tell you the truth, I've never been in a church that had a, a higher percentage of people than I do right now at Lake Community Church. There are a lot of people who are investors in the kingdom of God. And uh, tell you the truth, Pastor Terry and I got a big job, along with many of the leaders who've stepped up over the last three years. We got a big job of investing in these people because there's some solid Built kingdom building people that are out there. And when you start saying, who are they, Chad? I can name them for a long time. I can sit down and start telling you names of people who are building kingdom building people. They're investors in the kingdom of God and they invest in other people. And that's the fighting force. That's the ones that go out in the beginning. And to tell you the truth, those are the ones who make the big changes in people's lives because they go out and fight the Amalekites for them. They go out and help them. Now notice they're going out and fighting the Amalekites. They're going to defend Israel from the Amalekites. And boy, it's important that, that we do that work. And it's important that these life changes happen. He said, tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with the Amalekites. I love it. Joshua was the one out there leading the battle. He's the warrior in the trenches. And it says, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up on top of the hill. Notice that there, there are those who are out there fighting, and then there are those who are worshiping, and there are those who are beseeching God on behalf of those who are out there in the battle. And now, this is a perfect picture. You need to see this. And it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now you go, what does that mean? Moses was literally up on the mountain holding his hands up. Now, <clears throat> Scripturally speaking, that's a clear picture of something, and that something is worship, because literally in the Jewish language, yada is the word to thrust your hands in the air, and it is a word, one of the primary words in the Old Testament for worship. Y'all hear that? It's a primary word for worship. Worship is required for these generational curses to be defeated. That usually happens in worship services, not in one-on-one -on -one discipling necessarily, although it may be brought up in that one-on-one -on -one discipling. It may take place as you're talking through things with a young believer that they deal with those things and they realize them. But the way the curse is broken generally, the way the bondage is ripped off generally is usually during a worship service. And that's why we provide two opportunities to come to the altar. And we make the altar a very important place to be because the, when others are worshiping, when the strong people, when the leadership of God, God's people are worshiping, when the warriors are in the middle of the battle and the people of God are worshiping, that's when victory is had usually. And especially over those initial... <clears throat> generational issues that young believers have. And uh, you say, we come to worship and uh, I go in there and some people go to the altar all the time. Some of those people are people who are the warriors in the battle. They're the people out there on the battlefield and uh, they got to go to the altar all the time because they got to power up basically. They've got to power up and go to the altar and receive what they need to in order to do the battling that they're doing. And so when you say, well, he's at the altar all the time, sometimes people think he got a lot of problems. No, he may not, or she may not. They may not have the problems. They may be dealing with a lot of problems and it's other people's problems. They're 
powering up at the altar. And uh, man, the, the leadership of the church, they're raising hands and worshiping and clapping. There's a reason for that. that. That's what I'm supposed to do. I am supposed to be up on that mountain holding my hands up. I'm supposed to be worshiping God when the battle is raging underneath. And let me tell you, the battle is raging. Every Sunday morning, there's a battle that's raging. And it's this battle. It's this battle that's mainly raging on Sunday morning. It is a battle to teach and to grow the mighty warriors in the kingdom of God. And it's a battle to break the bondage of those who are coming in and who are dealing with real issues in their lives to get their lives on a track where it can be stable, full of grace, and walking goodness and power each and every day. And really, if you want to say, where do we see this taking place? You should see this taking place every Sunday morning. You should see this taking place every Sunday morning because that is where the battle for the hearts and the souls of young believers, the battle for their future is taking place. And oftentimes we treat church so passe. And the truth is the battle for the important battles of each individual against the Amalekites is taking place a lot of Sunday mornings, a lot of Sunday mornings that's going on. And you don't even know it, some of you. You don't realize it. And I want you to realize it. I want you to realize the high importance of you being there, holding your hands in the air, you being there, <clears throat> lifting your voice to God, you being there a part of this battle for the for the hearts and the souls of young believers. It's important. It's an important work that has to be done. And it's an important work that's going on each and every Sunday. Churches all across this country, that work is going on. And some churches, there's only one or two that's holding up their hands. There's only one or two that's doing the hard work and the hard battle. And I, I feel for you, and I, I've been there myself. And I want to encourage you, if it's just you, that's up there on that mountain holding your hands up, you go up on top of that mountain and hold your hands up. If it's if you're in a place where God's word is powerful and God's people are seeking him, there's going to be a lot of life change go on. And let me say this, we've not had a time period, very long time period in, in our church. We've had just only one time that I remember where Pastor Terry said, commented and said that we've had the altar empty a couple of weeks and and that's not a good thing. And so we've seen some real life change going on and some real life struggles going on. And young people in the kingdom, and when I say young, they can be older folks who are young people in the kingdom. Young people in the kingdom need us, need Joshua's to go out and fight the battles. They need Moses and Aaron on top of that mountain, holding, holding their hands up to God, uh, bringing about victory in people's lives. And, and let me tell you, the battle, it's a heart, it's a struggle too. It says, uh, Moses' hands became very heavy, so he took the stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and, and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Remember, the sword is the word of God also. He defeated them with the word of God. And every church needs warriors out there on the battlefield. And every church needs the pastoral leadership to hold their hands up and worship and bring about the victory of God by using worship and using the sword to win. And the word of God has to go out and the people have to do battle for the other people. Amalek is, is a picture 
of the generational sin that has to be defeated for young believers to walk in their faith and to know it. It's a busy work, it's an important work, and it's a weekly work that must be done. I pray that you'll be involved in that. You can't really be a full disciple of Christ until you're regularly involved in the warfare of the kingdom. And I pray that you'll do that. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.